You're listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. Whether you see his face in films like The Prestige and Avengers Age of Ultron, or you don't in landmark franchises like The Lord of the Rings and the current Planet of the Apes series, where his passion for performance capture leads the way, Andy Serkis continues to blaze a trail in this industry. This year he stars in the third Apes installment, War for the Planet of the Apes, but he also makes his directorial debut with Breathe, starring Andrew Garfield and Claire Foy. Still to come is his work as Supreme Leader Snoke in this little movie called Star Wars The Last Jedi. The man is clearly busy, and he's right here, so let's bring him right in. Andy, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you. Uh, you're very busy, as I say. It's, it's, been, it's been quite an extraordinary year, yeah. I mean, it's been full on, full on. But I love it. I love being busy. Yeah. Well, when I saw Breathe, I smiled when I saw uh, an Imaginarium production. Uh-huh. I mean, it must be wonderful to see your company uh, really starting to make those strides and, 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 and just full bloom in that way. It really, was, it really is gratifying, actually. I mean, in fact, this, this week sees not only the opening tonight of our, um, uh, our movie, Breathe, but we've also produced um, a horror film called The Ritual, which right. is also <laughs> happens to be opening tonight in the UK. Right. And we're, we've just produced a video game. So it's sort of uh, based on the Planet of the Apes franchise called The Last Frontier. So it's, it's been this extraordinary year of things really sort of all coming together at the same time, um, which, is, which is really gratifying. Is the video game space something that you want to go further out into? Well, very much so. I mean, the Imaginarium was set up with Jonathan Cavendish, yeah. who, whose parents, of course, is the life story of uh, you know of Breathe. Mm-hmm. It's his parents' life story. Um, it it, uh, it the, gen- the the Imaginarium we set up to be a kind of story te- next generation storytelling space which was a production entity but also a performance furthering the art and craft of performance capture but but really questioning you know how we we received stories in 10 or 20 years time across all uh, you know transmedia platforms such as you know, obviously film games uh, tv virtual reality uh, augmented reality and also the live theater space and projecting real-time avatars where actors are playing characters and we did a production of for instance the tempest with the royal shakespeare company this year in the uk where the guy playing ariel was was a motion captured on stage and projected in, in real time uh, as as various different avatar characters so mm-hmm. so it's a, it, it's this sort of central hub creatively driven uh in all which works in all all manner of um uh, of, of platforms yeah i'm going to get into some of that in a bit but i want to start with breathe yeah. which opened the, the london film festival uh this is the story of robin cavendish as you say who was struck with polio in 1958 lived on for nearly 40 years as a respirant, as they say, uh, needing a mechanical respirator to breathe. Uh, I guess the answer is it was, you know, John's family story to be told. But I was going to ask, you know, why was this what you wanted to launch into with your debut behind the camera? Well, well interestingly, uh, it's in, it's fascinating how time and uh, schedules kind of work out. But I, So Jonathan and I set the Imaginarium up in 2011, and... I brought to the table some. You know, we, we would set it up with the intention of me directing, uh, you know, various different things, uh, more in the performance capture space. Um, but he'd been working with it on his slate uh, prior to us getting together, and and this story obviously was a very personal one for him. We got together, and as we were amassing all our different projects, I read it overnight, and uh, I was so blown away by it. It was the most one of the most uplifting, but also emotionally powerful stories I think I've, I've ever read as a script, and I literally couldn't, you know, had a, had a very big emotional reaction to it. Um, and uh, and then 
Um, so I said, I went in the next day and I said, look, Jonathan, I really, really want to direct this. And he didn't bat an eyelid. I said, look, I know I'm more my wheelhouse is, you know, orcs and elves and jungle <laughs> animals and various different, uh, you know, other beings uh, through performance capture. But I really, really feel that I want to tell this story. And partly that was because I have a connection to the world of disability and my mother taught special needs kids kids with polio in, in the 1970s and, and spina bifida and thalidomide all these different diseases mm-hmm. um, my father was a doctor who set up a hospital in Baghdad, he's Iraqi and, and my sister also was um, an MS sufferer, multiple sclerosis sufferer, so I felt very connected to 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 looking at uh, you know how people deal with when their lives are turned on a, on a dime and they go from being normal healthy human beings to having to deal with something as catastrophic as that so so i i said this is this is why i want to do it and he, he said let's do it then what happened was uh jungle book took off mm. and we shot the whole of jungle book principal photography for warner brothers mm-hmm. this one coming out next year um so it's probably fairer to call that your debut well it, huh? it kind of was my yeah. debut yeah. although although we're still in post-production with it yeah and and breathe happened because there was a window of opportunity in this post-production period where um, you know we're waiting now for animation to come in based on the, these great performances by Christian Bale and Kate Blanchett and, and uh, you know uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as, as playing the animals in in in, uh, in Jungle Book, but it's a very long extended post production process and there was this amazing window as I say with uh, Andrew and Claire becoming available so we, we raised the finance in seven weeks mm. and we shot the whole thing in seven weeks oh. and, uh, and, and, and it's become now uh, the the directorial debut because it's the one that's yeah. come out first. Yeah, right. Well, mentioning the, the two of them uh, something that's so striking to me about the movie I, their chemistry is amazing. It's extraordinary. I mean, and they really do embody the spirit and the energy and the positive kind of... You know, what's great about this film is that it is a very emotional film, but it's not emotional on screen. The emotion is buttoned down. Mm -hmm. It has a very British sensibility. And these people are able, finally, after Robin has been struck down with polio and goes through a period of depression... But when they start to reassemble their lives, they do it with this incredible sense of humour and this incredible uh, wit and vibrancy. Um, and that was what really appealed to me, that there's a moment in the, in the film where, where uh, Diana says to Robin, after being in, depressed for some time in hospital, waiting to die, she says, he's, she says, how can I make life better for you? And he says, get me out of hospital. And mm-hmm. it's like... It's like saying, it is like saying, you know, put me on the moon or put, put, put me on the top of Mount Everest. No one had ever done it before. So this story, which is which is incredibly powerful and yet very ordinary in many ways, um, is about being a pioneer. These people were true pioneers of living outside of the hospital system mm-hmm. with, with the risk of dying, kind of two minutes away from death, um, and yet with this incredible sense of humour. Mm-hmm. How did John react when he first saw the film? Well, jo- Jonathan was the producer on the movie, and, and he, uh, you know, he was sitting there watching it. Uh, obviously, it unfold every day, and and he he had such he had a really good time. I mean, he and his mother Diana, who is around also, and I know very well, and uh, and the family, the extended family who were around Robin and Diana when yeah. this was all going on, um, they they they've got this incredible attitude of sort of. Uh, being able to be very distant from it, treat it like a, s- a separate story, almost like it's not their own. Yeah, and 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 
you know see just see it unfold was was re- they they thought it was very emotionally very authentic yeah. and, and felt very truthful um, uh, to, to to what happened and I think I think that's the the the, the joy really is yeah. that is that they uh, they feel like we've done Robin and Diana proud I'm sure being so involved closely as producer certainly kind of prepares you but when you just when those lights dim and you just see it all put together yeah. it, it had to have just been impactful you know oh for sure. I had uh, Andrew here last year talking about Hacksaw Ridge, right? And uh, it was it was a tragedy. Let me explain. See this here? This is plugged in, right? Because of Andrew, because he at the toward the end of the podcast we started talking about breathe, and he, you've probably heard him tell this story about when you can't move yeah. and you can only look in someone's eyes, and he basically told me this story while not breaking eye contact like right, we're doing. Right, right. And he's right, like, right. I'm doing it to you right now, and I'm right. like, you're totally right. <laughs> that whole thing. Lost no. at the end of the podcast because no. the batteries like just oh, no. you know and it bummed me out so much because it was just such a funny interesting story so we plug this thing in now <laughs> but he's fantastic in the film what he's made you find or decide that you know he was the guy what, how did that come to be he um, w- w- I mean we wanted to find someone who w- could be able to play the character from the age of tw- you know early twenties right through to you know middle age to fifties. Um, but also with this he's got this incredible sensitivity he's so versatile he goes deep into character but also he has this amazing sense of humor and he has this athleticism this kind of which which we wanted to rob him of we wanted to have this very very agile man not be able to move so that all of the energy that would have gone into that physical being um you know, is tra- really you know migrates towards being to to, to, to his facial expressions because Robin could only move from the chin up. You know, mm-hmm. nothing. His body was like a rag doll. But like, yeah. So so to have someone with that amount of energy and and Robin as a result had these incredible facial expressions where it, it was like the light was really switched on in his eyes and his his smile and his um just his that positive kind of energy that he had once he got out of hospital it was like this complete redefinition of of who he was but sort of all, all in his face mm-hmm. and the sense of humor too is, is yeah. so lovely like uh, that really shines through uh, I don't know if that was just on the page or you know just Something oh, something about just I don't know he, the 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 as a character Robin Cavendish had just such a wonderful sense of humor a- in the absolutely film. as as does his wife Diana no. I mean and 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 the cabal of crazy sort of eccentric yeah. boho toffs that, that's <laughs> that's that surround them and that's that, they they fueled that they they sort of they fueled that energy within that group that close extended family group um, and and that that was what I loved about about the script because it has this very it is a sort of British sense of humor. As I say, the, the emotions are—it's a huge amount of emotion, but you see the tip of the iceberg. And, and um, people have said who've watched it, was it really? Were they really that happy? And, and you know, do they really kind of live like that? And, and, and they weren't kind of wailing and gnashing teeth and sort of, you know. And, and that's that's how they were. And yeah. and and and, the, and actually, as I say, the, the real family, having watched it all, said it's, it has this real authenticity, this emotional authenticity, and that's how their memories serve them about about, about the piece um but I, what i love what i tried to bring out of that in in the way that we shot it in the way that the, the whole fabric of the piece was this was this vibrancy this wit this this witty approach to to um, you know smiling in the face of catastrophe mm-hmm. um and that was uh, you know so that the film is bright the palette is very is is 
very up mm-hmm. and 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 bright and um, you know the, the, from the titles at the beginning through to the costume design through to the the choice of shots and the way that that we you know constructed it was the all font of the title even has exactly the, the movie kind of swings it does is, is something exactly that I took that. from it yeah it's exactly that it, it what we didn't want to make a dark more mawkish sentimental sort of drama documentary reconstruction of a dis- someone who was disabled's life because it yeah it's it's not that yeah. it's the the energy of, of of these people was just they they lit people up who were around, surrounded by them they had parties every weekend and you know it i mean obviously there were, would have been moments within that which we do touch on where there's 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 moments where you just where we just pull back the curtain and we see the pain in there but we do, we don't dwell on it because mm-hmm. it's it's it isn't the nature and the essence of these people yeah let's talk about apes let's go back to the summer mm-hmm. uh, i had matt reeves here over the summer talking about it this movie's fantastic oh, it's, uh, it's one of the best films of the year to me and uh i, I kind of want to start by just talking about what was the big leap forward for you with the performance capture of it all and and, and this art form that you're such a champion for uh every new installment of this series has been new challenges in that so what were they this time so, well the technology has has really um, had it, had its big surge forward forward um, at the beginning of Rise actually Rise mm. for the Planet of the Apes. So being so able the, to go out into the environment being, and exactly, everything, yeah. sort of shooting on sets, um, you know, rigging up all the performance capture cameras, having a head mounted camera so that you were completely untethered and have free movement, and were able to communicate with all your other actors once, not have to go back and repeat it in the motion capture volume as I did on Lord of the Rings and, and King Kong and various of the other projects. Um, but then to take it even further afield, take it out of not even, you know, the sets. I mean, the first film was where it was quite domestic. It was in Caesar, the house that Caesar was brought up in, the facility, uh, the, the laboratory where the experiments were going on and the facility where all the apes were. This, the second one got further afield out in the rain, Vancouver rainforests. But this was, this was out in snow, in winter conditions, up in mountains. It was, it was harsh. And, and uh, so the, the, the technology was was robust enough to sustain all of that but but what's crucially more important than even the technology is the artistry so mm-hmm. so the 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 uh, the visual effects team Weta now and I have kind of have you know worked on so many projects over the last 17 years together and their understanding of how to honor an actor's performance has reached the next level. I mean, this is apart from the the rendering, the texturing, the fur, the eyes, the the, the kind of the the, the CG uh, skills of of making something look more photo real. This is I'm talking about the interpolation of the performance, taking the actors performance that the actor has shot on set every day for six months and being able to retarget the emotions that the actor is going through and being able to um, place them onto the physiognomy of an ape you know that 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 is that is really where the 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 huge improvements have gone because because now there is if you put side by sides yeah i was just going to mention that that's right. how matt explains it is like you know side by side i'm seeing you know, X emotion here, but he's also sad, and I'm not seeing that yet. So right. you know, just that that I think is what you're talking about. That's absolutely yeah. right yeah. because because I think most people don't really understand. Well, they do more now, uh, but but understand, you know, performance capture is is acting like any other acting. It's not it's not a genre of acting or a type of acting or you know it's a, it's a, another set of cameras. So so we're filmed by traditional film cameras or you know digital cameras now, uh, and then we have 
performance capture cameras, which are 360 degree, and you're wearing a, a head-mounted camera too, which is a, just another way of recording the actor's performance. Mm-hmm. And so for me, there's never been a, a distinction between playing a character, you know, like you mentioned, some of those other ones I've played, you know, a live action where you're wearing costume and makeup. You get into costume and makeup, you go on set, you work with the director and the other actors, and you film the scene. For me, there's no difference between that and getting an emotion capture suit, filming the scene, going on set, being directed by the director, and Absolutely. then having digital makeup applied to, to the performance afterwards. Mm-hmm. The actual process of becoming a character is exactly the same. And so, and that's what Matt really fully understood, because mm-hmm. otherwise you wouldn't go through the pain of, of, of exacting performances from, a, from, from an actor in a performance capture suit. Yeah. If you weren't going to uh, make that the, the, the backbone of, and, the, and the end result of what you're seeking to show the audience. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's sort of, um, you know, wh- why, why, why it's such a beautiful kind of uh, tool, 21st century tool for an actor, and why I have championed it over all of these years, because, because now the honouring of those performances uh, has become, so, the fidelity to, to, to what you do is so much greater than before and, and is only going to get better. Do you get the feeling that the acceptance is happening more and more? I mean, I think a number of people have felt, I'm one of them, that you deserve you know, serious acting awards recognition for the stuff you've done. And uh, the, for instance, with the Academy and the Actors Branch, it seems to be a roadblock. They, they're just not there yet. Do you get the feeling that those roadblocks are being knocked down? Or I do this year, actually. Yeah? I do, and, and particularly particularly with this role because Caesar actually, uh, thinking about it, he's become more human-like yeah. in this very breaks in your heart. film. And the emotions are very similar to, uh, to, to... Well, I mean, to give you an example of the progression of approach to the role. The first mm-hmm. film is very much about becoming a chimpanzee and a chimpanzee with, you know, plus because he's got this drug that's coursing around his veins and he's being he is r- rapidly evolving. Um in, uh, but, but a chimpanzee that you just see beginning to change by the end of the first film. In the second one, he's become this leader, um, this leader and father figure, and he's beginning to use human speech. Um, but And this empathetic kind of leader who's head of a community is trying to avoid conflict with, with humanity. Um, and so I was looking, you know, I was looking all the time for in these first two movies for external uh, stimuli to, to build the character on, you know, basing him on a real chimpanzee, Oliver, in the first film, who was the human, he was known as the humanzee. Um, he had a lot of DNA experiments performed on him to, mm-hmm. because people thought he was the progeny of, of man and ape. And there was a sort of extraordinary, uh, he, he was bipedal, he had extraordinary facial expressions. So I based him on, on, on that on that character in the second film I was thinking about who is a great leader I can model him on in the third film I didn't really look further than myself because the, f- the, f- the, f- the Caesar is now evolved into much closer to he's become me in a way mm-hmm. and uh, what and, and the questions asked of me were how would I respond to the situation if my family had been mown down in front of my eyes and you know would I be able to be empathic towards Towards that killer and, and a member of another species who was trying to decimate my own, it, so that so that I felt like the only place I could look to for that this last film was was inside. Yeah, and and that's why that's why it, it, you know it's performance capture, as I say, is 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 just another way of recording. Yeah, the most intimate and personal uh, forms of expression. You know. uh, the father son stuff in the movie just leveled me and uh, and. Uh 
you know, Matt shared with me about his father passing away it's during true. the production and everything. And uh, you know, I've got a young one at home, so it's just that that stuff really connected. I mean, I think it, well, it really did feel like the apotheosis of, of sorts of what you've been doing all these years. So. I mean, interestingly, I mean, I, I've not, never been to such a dark place as this, as this last movie, and I, and I and actually right in the middle of the shoot, I lost my mother as well. So mm-hmm. it was it, it was it was um, you know it was I don't know it was it was. We were both going through similar similar things at the same time, and so it was a it was a it was a tough shoot. But but it but you know this is all really Matt will have said this to you, and I totally believe it. This film is all about empathy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's about Caesar losing that empathy, being fueled with hatred and rage, and then being able through 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 the journey and the characters that he meets along the way, Bad Ape and and Nova, the young girl, and finally meeting the Colonel who he. He's, you know, he wants to kill. Suddenly, there's this sort of fascination which turns to understanding, even, and his empathy returns finally when he sees the colonel unable to to help himself. Yeah, know. Steve Zahn, man. Oh my gosh, <laughs> um, treasure! What an incredible performance! <laughs> he seems perfect for this. He, stuff, he <laughs> I mean, just you know, he he was mind blowing to work with, and it's very funny because I mean, he he he, you know, he could have turned that into just a real comic turn but it was so oh, full of pathos it was very, very so layered so beautifully you know there was such a sadness in that character absolutely and um, and he was great fun to work with on set and, and I'll tell you a really funny thing was that when the film came out he started doing press and people had said to him oh man you were great you know you did the, you did the voice of Bad Ape and he was like the voice of bad ape are you kidding me i was on set every single day i nearly killed myself playing this role a little more this than is, that you know and uh, he wrote me this email and i and uh, you know he said it's ridiculous i played that role i was out there every day in the snow i nearly killed myself and, uh, and, and you're wrote, like now you understand i wrote back i said you know welcome to my world buddy you know yeah exactly now are you obviously this is the end of caesar's story but are you interested in Obviously, I'm sure Fox is interested in more of these, but are you interested in more apes movies? Um, I, I, look, I love the metaphor. I love the, the allegory of apes saying what it does about the human condition. Um, so I would be thrilled to carry on. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm... I'm actually going through a bit of a grieving process with Caesar <laughs> because because yeah. I lived with him for six years and, yeah. and and I loved him so much as a character. I really, uh, he, there was he was very dignified. He's a dignified, heroic character, and I've I've not played that many heroes, and uh, it was a you know he he it, it was a wonderful experience. So. Look, I mean, I, I would love to be involved in the future. And the great thing about performance capture, of course, is that you can you can play anything. You can come back as anything. So, and you can you can do it when you're 80 years old if you exactly, want. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I wanted to touch on a couple of other things. Uh, you know, let's, the Jungle Book. Actually, first of all, I feel like I saw somewhere. I don't know if it was a. I feel like it was a test screening invitation or something. It had been called Mowgli Tales from the Jungle Book. That's and I'm right. just curious. Is that? Can you confirm that's the title? It's. We're testing it at the moment. Okay. It's not a hundred percent, but I, I mean, it's more than likely heading in that direction uh, because it's a, it is a much more about that character. It's a Mowgli centric story. Mm-hmm. It's about identity. The film mm-hmm. is really examines um, in in a in a tone that's much closer to Rudyard Kipling's book, um, what it is to be other, what it is to be uh, a boy brought up, a feral child being brought up by animals and accepted by them, but then realising he's he's not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
and neither is he able to live in the world of man and and, and so it's 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 forming this unique hybrid identity and that's that's what our that's what our tale is about and uh it's it, it's yeah i mean the the jungle is both a place of beauty but also of great savagery in our version and um and it has these incredible performances um, performance captured again um as i mentioned earlier kate blanchett and mm-hmm. benedict Cumberbatch and christian bale and, and uh, naomi harris and, mm-hmm. you know to mention a few uh just beautiful performances and really connected to 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 Mowgli. um and yeah, and and then and then his his journey through the world of of human beings before he decides who he is. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, you know, you've been talking about Animal Farm for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, you know, long planned adaptation. It seems like a ripe time for oh Orwell, obviously. If ever there was a time to make Animal Farm, it's yeah. right. It's right now. Where do you uh, think? You, where are you on? Well, that? we're 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 just about to uh, announce a partner that uh, that we're going to be working with. Um, it's uh, you know I've wanted to make this ever since Jonathan and I formed the Imaginarium. I brought the project and brought brought it in, and we worked very closely with the Orwell Estate, um, looking at how we would make this film for now. And they were very up for it. You know, we're not telling the, the sort of uh, the uh, allegory of totalitarianism in Russia and the Russian Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, we we thought you know we worked on the premise that if Orwell were writing now, what would his political targets be? And that's what that's the tone of our movie now. So. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're super excited about it. It's it, 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 as you say, it's you know it's George Orwell's fairy tale Animal Farm, as it's as 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 the as the book says, you know. But but it's um, it's a very subversive um, in in its approach, uh, but 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 couched in this in this fairy tale, which is for family. I mean, it will be for family, but it's but it obviously has um, darker undertones, and yeah. and hopefully will reflect the world that we're living in at the moment which is <laughs> no say no more right say no more <laughs> yeah it seems like the the movie you were kind of made to to make in terms of this technology mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah I, I i can't wait for that so good luck going forward uh 10 10 i wanted to ask you know is there what's going on are we going to get a follow-up or what well <laughs> uh, look i love doing Tintin, and um i know that i know that peter jackson really wants to to, to carry on and make and make his film you know mm-hmm. um after stevens it was such a great experience um so yeah, I, I I I long for another Tintin. I, I, it was, and I hope I hope I really hope, hope Pete gets to make it. Well, let's go to Star Wars. I'll turn the recorder off. Tell me everything that happens. <laughs> well, give us the goods. Okay, here we go. So right, <laughs> so this is who Supreme Leader Snoke is, right? No, I'm not going to tell you, of course. <laughs> um, no, I'm, look, I, I, Ryan Johnson... What does it Johnson, feel like to have that much, like, attention on who is this guy know, that you played? Like, it's no, got to be... exciting, because it's going to be revealed, and, be, you yeah. know, of course, it'll all come out. But um, all I can say, really, is that Ryan, Ryan has done an incredible job of this movie. This, this is going to be... I think people are going to be very surprised in which direction this goes. Um so, uh, so again, without giving too I've much, heard, I've heard interesting things. I've heard that it's it's very character driven, mm-hmm. more than you might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, which, Absolutely, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I love Ryan, and that trailer was fantastic. It's really, I think really more geeks neat. watched football than they ever have <laughs> Monday night <laughs> to see that trailer. But uh, you know, w- w- within you know, just to keep it on, I guess the technology conversation. Playing this character, what, what were there any? 
challenges of note, I guess, that have come up? Or is it, is it kind of just up on wheels at this point? You know exactly oh, how it is, to... You know, yeah. it's kind of, that's the thing. It's become transparent yeah. for me, certainly. I don't think about it at all. It's, you know, I've, I've worn Lycra and dots and helmets with cameras on for, yeah. for 15, 16 years now. So um, it's, it, it really... It's just what I put on to go to work, you know. Yeah. Um, it, 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 you know, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me in any way. I just get on with the process of acting. How about being a part of a franchise as massive oh, as Star Wars? I mean, that's, that's just amazing. I mean, it is incredible, and uh, you know, I feel very, very privileged to have, to have been involved in, in in these in all of these great franchises. But this this was, uh, you know, Star Wars is Star Wars. It is right. <laughs> Well, that's coming in December. I think it's the 15th is when that's it comes right. out. Uh, yeah. I look forward to that premiere. Those premieres every year have been so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Breathe is in theaters. Go see it. And uh, obviously, War for the Planet of the Apes is out there. You can get it on Blu-ray or whatever. So do check that out. Andy, man, thank you for coming on the show. Thank I you. really appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you very much. I could ask you to dance. And you could say, well, I don't feel like dancing. And then I could say, well, maybe some other time. Or I could just not ask. Diana, this is your future life we're talking about. You hardly know him. He's practically a stranger. The thing is, I just know this is it. I love you, Robin. I'm not feeling too good. I can't move what's going on. Get him on a respirator! People paralyzed by polio don't last long. Can't move anything from the neck down. Can't even breathe for yourself. How do you live like this? Yes, you Stuart. I love you, and I want Jonathan to know you. You can't love this. Yes, I can. There must be something I can do. Get me out of here. Robin's going to leave the hospital. No one with your husband's disability exists outside a hospital. Has anyone ever tried? Robin! Robin! You're right, darling. Much better. Five pounds says you'll never make it. You're on. <laughs> darling, call Teddy. I've had an idea. A wheelchair that does his breathing for him. Are you sure it's safe? It's worked so far. Robin! You owe me five pounds. Tell me bastard. Why do you keep your disabled people in prison? No one's believed it's possible to live as you do. Well, we should open the gates and set them free. Bloody virus. What now, Robin, a world tour? Wouldn't that be an adventure? When I first became paralyzed, I wanted to die. My wife told me I had to live. <laughs> See how our son grow up. Your life is my life. I don't want to just survive. I want to truly live. I love my life. I think he should be in hospital. No? You're quite right. No. 